0: the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.
1: Welcome to the Raptors Over Everything podcast for Yahoo Sports Canada. I'm your host, William Liu, and on this week we have the dawn of open gym. Jeff Landicho, how you doing? I'm
2: good, man. It's always always good to chat. Uh, always know we always know that the season's about to start when when we chat. So it's a, it's an exciting time.
1: Yo, listen. We have a uh, so we've done this pod like this is the third year in a row we're doing it, and uh, yeah, we had a lot of good memories to reminisce even in the previous two podcasts. Like, you know, there were some pretty successful Raptor seasons, a lot of good characters. We talked about, you know, guys like Demar and Casey and, uh, you know, winning 56 games, winning 59 games. Like, there's a lot of good memories. But this year, this year we got some really, really special memories. And, and for you in particular, I think it was a very special year because I'm just going to take you back to, you know, before the championship, before the playoffs, really before even the regular season started. Um, I remember that I was there. At the Tiv Lightbox at an event called Behind the Lens, that celebrated the seven-year history of Open Gym and uh, mm-hmm. Jeff, you were on stage with Masai, with CJ Miles, with a couple other names, and uh, it was just a great celebration. And I think it was a great way to open the season because you know all the work that you guys do at Open Gym, you and your team, like it's uh, it's spectacular. And uh, what did you think about that event? Because I felt like it came across as you were incredibly humbled to be celebrated in that way.
2: Oh yeah. And it didn't, it didn't hit me until like I got to the event, you know, those the event kind of was planned real quickly. Um, I did produce that piece that we showed uh, giving a nice look back on the season.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, and when we did, when, when I was able to do that and see it on screen and seeing open gym on the big screen like that, it just really blew me away. And, and you really felt the scope of what we had accomplished over the last uh, six seven years um, so yeah that event um, that event really blew me away and, and, and people are saying you know this is this event is all about open gym and everything you've done and it's just it was just mind blowing to think about it that way um, you know it was, it, going into the event it's you know just another like, celebrating the Raptors celebrating this great team and, and and when you think about like what the team has done on top of the stuff that we've all accomplished on open gym you know it was it was a it was a great night and something that my family and everyone will will remember for a long time and the one thing i had mentioned that night on stage was i think one of the questions was like what's the next step what's the dream and and i had said i i want to shoot and cover a champagne bath and that will be the ultimate and lo and behold, nearly a, a year later, we're celebrating a championship. So you couldn't have scripted this
1: whole story and, and ride a better way. Yeah, for sure. And I remember, well, first thing, I got two takeaways from that night. One was it, it's really cool to see Open Gym in that sort of cinematic experience. Like normally it's like I'm like sitting on my couch and I got like a YouTube alert and mm-hmm. I'm watching it on my phone. And like that's one way to consume Open Gym, but like seeing it on on stage at the Tiff Lightbox, and you know watching with a bunch of Raptors fans around you and seeing the reactions to it. Like one of the videos that you put together was um, sort of like a like a five minute like highlight ma- mix almost of like uh, just characters from previous seasons, and it's like you forget how many people walked through and and the Raptors. Um, you know, franchise over the years, and you see seen guys like Aaron Gray, for example, on screen, and you're like, "Oh yeah, I forgot Aaron Gray was on the team." But also, like, you know, uh, it, it was just great to reminisce in, in that fashion. Um, and yeah, the second thing is like, yeah, it, just, it really is, I think, an overdue sort of celebration of the uh, of the, the program itself. Like Masai came out and you know gave his speech and stuff like that, and talked about how much trust that you guys have built with the with the franchise over the years. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I say this you know, every time I have you on the pod, but uh, on behalf of all Raptors fans, man, thank you to you and your team for making a open gym because it really is an, a, a great addition to um, the actual on-court product itself. The next thing in this season, so I asked you at the beginning of the year as well what it was going to be like to cover Kawhi, who is pretty much as private and as guarded as anybody in most of professional sports. And I think you at the time sort of, Anticipated that you know obviously it would be a little bit of a challenge, but you would go into it with the same approach. Um, having covered Kawhi this past year, like what was your experiences? What were some of the challenges in terms of covering Kawhi?
2: It was it was exactly the way we had envisioned. Um, you know, we we wanted to give him a space, respect his space, respect who he is, respect who he is as a person. Um, and just, just like open gym and the philosophy has always been is just let everything kind of like unfold in front of us. Um, and Kawhi is everything that was advertised. He was, he's a hard worker, kept to himself and focused, kept to, um, uh, was really his family is, is everything to him and, and loved the game of basketball and was a gym rat and, and just had one goal, and, and that was to be successful on the basketball court. So, you know, as for, for us um, at Open Gym, like, we, you know, we, we, we respected that and just allowed him to, to, to be who he is. Um, yeah, we had some, we, we'd love to get a little bit more, you know, backstory and content and, and moments with him. But um, that's just not who he is, and that's just not who he's comfortable with. And that's the biggest thing for us is we only want to do things with, with with these guys and these characters and and these players uh, that they're comfortable doing. So it's never anything forced. Um, so yeah, it was. I wouldn't say it was a challenge because we kind of knew going in the type of person he was and and how reserved he was. So it was it, it was just you know we we the, the stuff that we highlighted um, was. Uh, his his brilliance on the basketball court and um that's what we focused on and um yeah we didn't get a lot of, of off-court material with him but you know his whole world is his basketball so we, we got to we got to we got to see that and um we got we got to capture that uh in some with some unbelievable moments and you know um all in all it was like we all know it was just a, a legendary year for everyone involved and, and Kawhi is <laughs> that is you know the it was one of the greatest you know one and dones ever you know so um it was it was just a, it was it was a treat um just seeing him and how great he was on the
1: court and seeing it
2: up close uh throughout the year
1: yeah for sure and, and i think you guys did a really good job of um i think this is the same challenge that i think a lot of reporters had in covering the team last year was okay maybe Kawhi willn't talk but there's people around him that you can talk to and i think you know you guys had um Uh, what's his name, obviously Steve Fisher from San Diego State, his former coach, uh, come on and talk uh, about him and sort of the history with Kawhi and go back into the backstory. And basically he's been the same dude uh, even when he was in college as he is now. And, you know, Danny Green obviously kind of became like the go-to Kawhi quote for a while until he got a little bit annoyed at that. Um, And, you know, I remember even you guys dug out some old clips of him on draft day where I think that might be the first time he got the Kawhi laugh on camera yeah 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 <laughs> so that
2: was a, a bunch of stuff um that was the same year as uh as Jonas, and so there right. was there's a whole bunch of uh footage that that uh we had we had and also obviously the nba had uh that we had access to so yeah it was nice to be able to to, to get some of that and he had he had a you can see a lot of his some of his personality and some of those some of those clips and um you know it was nice to see he's he's uh he's a he's a he's a nice dude you know he's a he's a nice guy um just to himself you know
1: uh having been around the team a lot like you know do you feel like as the season progressed like he was more and more uh he sort of opened up a little bit more because it felt like in this towards the second half of the season you start seeing like uh, some moments on open gym where, you know, whether that's in the locker room with him joking around with Kyle and Drake or, um, you know, the, the Serge Ibaka stuff. Like, it felt like as the year went on, he really did sort of, um, you know, become more open to the group. Uh, obviously, we're talking on a Kawhi-level scale of openness. But, you know, it just it kind of made sense. Like, if you're new to a situation, at first you're not going to know anybody. You're going to be a little bit more reserved. And over time, especially if you win, you know, you'll you'll be more relaxed. Is that is that the feeling you got too? yeah absolutely
2: uh, he he
1: did um we all saw
2: it like and, and people uh you know reports all from from reporters from all across the board saw how like comfortable and happy he, he seemed um you know and and we felt we felt that too he was he was a lot more a lot more uh, relaxed and and um there was never any moments where he was like you know like rocky you know like kind of get out of here kind of thing you know what i mean like um Rocky uh, our cameraman was was very respectful of of Kauai's space and um you know never was just just got right into um his personal space you know and, and just captured moments as they developed in front of him and, and I think uh he he grew comfortable with that and he and we were there all year so it's not like we we were in and out and would disappear in moments and all of a sudden come back um we were along the we were, were there for the ride the whole
1: year. So, yeah, he definitely got a, little, a lot more
2: comfortable as the year progressed.
1: Yeah. What, yeah. I mean, like you mentioned earlier, man, like the best one and done ever. Like it's legendary stuff. And we'll get into it with the playoff run here. Uh, but before the playoff run, I thought one of the um, most touching episodes – I feel like it's always really difficult when you trade a player. And in, in this Raptors case, they traded two players that – uh, in Delon and JV, and also CJ Miles as well, but yeah. especially with Delon and JV, those guys were drafted by the Raptors. They grew up with the Raptors, and you guys saw that up close. And that episode where at the trade deadline, you know, they get moved for Marcus saw, which turned out to be a great trade. Obviously, Mark contributed a ton to the the championship run. I don't think anyone regrets that trade. But at the same time, um, seeing those guys, especially in that scene where Delon's, you know, going on the bus and he's you know, saying goodbye to. You know, the trainers, the the coaches, the the front office um, and JV doing the same and waiting for guys and saying goodbye. Like, I think that's where um, Open Gym is almost at its best. You know, not that you want trades to happen, because I think that's very hard emotionally for people to go through. But when you build that kind of trust with these guys over time and you're able to see them in their vulnerable times, like I think, you know, that 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 was definitely the trade deadline episode was was really touching
2: yeah just we always go back to that really gay episode and, yep. and that was similar type of similar type of moment and and with jv delon and cj those are three of like the nicest guys you'll ever meet and and also for us on the open gym level like they were absolute gold for us as far as um just willingness to do stuff and 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 their personalities and how how much of a positive energy they gave to everyone around them. Uh, JV obviously we like uh, we, we were me and Rocky we were one of the first people that that met up with him and when he were, when he hadn't even come down to Toronto yet. Uh, we were the, with him draft night the ne- the day the next day when he got drafted and his first day in Toronto, we went to Lithuania before he cuz remember he stayed that one year and That's in right. Lith- we went down to Lithuania did a whole piece on him. And when he finally came to Toronto that summer, we were the ones who picked him up from the airport. So, JVs, just like Tamar and just like Kyle and, and all these guys that we've been around for so long, it was, um, you know, we grew with him and we saw the man grow before our eyes. And, and him being a guy who can hardly speak English to a, a, an unbelievable father, you know, um, it's just, it's just, when you think about like how far they've come and then all of a sudden now in, you know, in, a, in one moment they're gone. It's, it's always tough. You know, I'm, I remember that morning we were at shoot around and I was with CJ and we did an interview with CJ about like, you know, just everything that's happening with the trade deadline and, and all that. Um, and after we were done the interview off camera, he was like, Hey, we're, we're headed to New York. Um, I got a, I got a session, um, where he's gonna go into the studio and record some stuff on the mic, and he's like, "Yeah, you guys are welcome to come." And that's something that I've been w- wanting to do with CJ for a long time because, oh yeah, CJ got bars. Yeah, me and him are both like uh, hip hop heads, and we talk about about hip hop all the time. And I've been wanting to do this perfect piece with with CJ and and him uh, on the mic, and I was like really happy that that we were able to finally get something get something done and then he gets traded <laughs> you know so it's just it's just the the nature of the beast it's just like it can happen so quickly um to guys that you've um you know you've grown a uh a, a, a relationship with and had a bond with and you know it's always it's always tough and for us to be able to capture those that that whole morning from shoot around to um lunch and um just when the trade hits it's um you know it's it's a testament to um the trust the guys have in the organization organization has in us to be able to capture those moments. Cause all these guys are, it's, it's a pretty sensitive time, you know, and, and um for them to allow us to, to capture it is, um it's, you know, it's a, a lot of thanks to, to everyone involved.
1: Yeah, for sure. And you get to see both sides of it too. Cause you know, um, you also have those shots of Masai and Bobby, you know, back in Toronto at the practice facility, and them working the phones. And, like, you can, like, see, like, them pacing back and forth, like the anguish, like, you know, the pressure that's on these guys. And then, um, you know, you actually get to hear at least half the conversation, the, the Masai's half, where he's calling and informing these guys. And, you know, you just see how much it takes out of him. And he kind of said the same thing. He said, which, you know, obviously he was asked about the DeMar trade a bunch. But, you know, Masai has basically said, like, this is – the toughest part of the job like by far is that it's a human business and um you know this is just like the worst part of it when you have to uh, move on from guys and you know make these difficult decisions and inform them and you know again i thought it was an excellent episode um with jv and delon it sucks that they're not on the team anymore but do you have some favorite jv uh, and or delon moments and of course cj as well uh just moments for to, uh, to share with the podcast
2: well, CJ is is easy. Just the the stuff that we have with his family and the birth of his child. Uh, that's probably one of my all time favorite episodes. Um, Delon just just him just growing as a as a person and and seeing his uh, um just how close he was with with a lot of those guys, Norm and and Fred and um and knowing that he worked so hard to get to the point where he is now um he had to deal with injuries the first couple of years and and even though he was he was on the verge of um you know getting some playing time he always was behind you know Corey and kyle and um all these all these vets and he finally got an opportunity and we all know how talented he is and um it was just great to see him really you know doing this thing and proving what we all thought was was capable that he was capable of on, on, the, on the court so um just seeing delon get coming to his own is, is always it's always great to see especially knowing that they had to sacrifice a lot you know to start their careers and JV, as far as like moments with him he's like he's the hand, probably hands down the funniest and most easygoing guy to be around so just all his his uh his borat his, impersonations yeah his borat impersonations just never gets old it really never gets old he was doing it from the first day he got here till you know till now and it just it just all it's always so funny and him and rocky are, are hilarious together um because they both have that that both they both have that dry sense of humor so um uh yeah
1: jv is always always going to be missed yeah no I, I can't wait for the uh the reunion episodes coming up this year man yeah yeah late march with jv uh, i'm not sure when Delon comes back you know uh cj as well Th- those guys getting rings as well it's going to be It's going to be great episodes. I really look forward to them. Um, One of the other big changes this year, obviously, was working with uh, Nick Nurse in the head coaching capacity instead of Dwayne Casey. I remember previous shows, you sort of mentioned, like, um, you know, working with Casey, it it was almost like he was like an uncle. You You sort of referred to him like that. Like, he's, you know, he's... It's he's family, really, and to to let go of Casey, that's obviously a big absence. I sort of hung over the team, but obviously Nick really stepped into the role, and he, you know, uh, obviously won it all and, and did a great job. But what were the differences in working with Nurse instead of Casey?
2: Uh, it was pretty similar. Um, with with Coach, both Coach uh, Nurse and Coach Casey, we, they're the ones who we really want to be able to to allow him. And, and the coaches to do their jobs. We never want to get in the way of, or be a distraction whatsoever um, to any of the process. So uh, with coach, he was, he was great. He was, um, there was uh, never any moments where he was like, probably there was probably a couple that I can re- recall where he's like, okay, let's, let's turn the camera off. But at the same time, like they know we're not going to show anything that will expose anything um, detrimental to the team. So, uh, not that any of those moments were ever rose up, but like they, he had the, he had, he had, he, he trusted us. Um, and he knew that we were there and, um, he was a little bit more hands off than, than coach Casey was. Um, he allowed us to do our thing and, um, yeah, coach was, was, uh, was great to work with this year and, and, um, hopefully this year we can do a lot more. I want to do a lot more, um, stuff with him and just get to get to know him a little bit more. Cause I think uh, we initially we did some, we, we were able to, to get to know him a little bit in the, early on in the open gym season, but um, hopefully this year we can get uh, a little bit more of his backstory and, and which is unbelievable. His whole journey has been unbelievable. So um, hopefully we can do it justice and um, tell his story in a, in a cool way and get to know him a little bit better. And, um, also see how, see how he's doing with his uh, guitar. Uh, Yo, see uh, he's created quite a buzz. Um, like we had seen him with that with that with the, with the guitar all year long, and you know uh, I know he was practicing and throughout the whole year. So um, maybe we can hopefully try to do something with, with, with him and showcase a little bit of his talent.
1: I was gonna say uh, <laughs> that was one of the legendary moments of the playoffs. Was I think they were what they were going to the Milwaukee series. And there's that legendary picture of Nick Nurse stepping off the plane, and the only thing he took on him was, was the guitar. And it was yeah. like, all right, so we're not going to stress at all, huh? We're just going to... Yeah. <laughs> like, we're good. We're good, so... Um, yeah, and you know what's funny, because I was... Uh, during the finals, I had a lot of downtime, um, you know, outside of the games, and I couldn't... Because of the time difference, I couldn't sleep or whatever. And so mm. I was watching, you know, it was just... I was in, like, a YouTube spiral, you know, what happens, but... I landed on a very old episode of Open Gym from I think from it was twenty fourteen, maybe, maybe twenty thirteen, where that was J V second year after he bulked up. Um and, you know, he really dominated Summer League that year. But the guy who was coaching that team was Nick Nurse. Yeah, And it was, like, one of those uh, old-school, like, it was probably, like, an hour long. I think the theme of it was DeMar coming down and working out with the young guys and, you know, setting the culture there. But it was just really funny to see Nick in a different context where he's, like, intensely coaching Dwight Bikes. And, you know, all, all respect to Dwight Bikes, but, like, the fact that a couple years later, Nick is then pulling on a box and one against Steph Curry in the finals and, and succeeding with it is just, like, an incredible journey. And I was just watching that, and I'm like, first off – Nick just looks entirely different. Just his whole swag and attitude is is different than what it is now. Um, and in, you know, it's just another reminder of like, man, this team has come so far. Even in in just recent times, it's just come so far. Yeah, they really are. They're, they're self made. The whole the
2: whole when you look across the board and you look across that roster and, and everyone involved, um, they all work to get to where they are right now. And and um, that's why it's such a it's always it's always easy to root for guys like that. When you think about the entire roster and you think about coach nurse and everyone's been doubted, you know, uh, recently at some point when they came into the league, there's no like superstar players on this team. They're, they're all self-made and, and that's why it's, it's, um, it just, it just, it's just such a great feat for them to do what they did. Um, and just shock everyone and shock the world.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, okay. So they get into the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, Obviously, the Orlando series, like, game one, it's kind of funny in retrospect that they lost game one. People freak out. Kyle has zero points. You know, it's just sort of tempers expectations. And, of course, you know, whatever. They proceed to, you know, roll through Orlando. They're just clearly more talented and and just better put together. Um, But the Sixers series, I mean, obviously a lot of vulnerable moments. Um, I think probably that was their biggest moment of doubt. After game three against... Uh, Philly in Philadelphia, where the fans were going crazy. Joel Embiid was doing the airplane. They were smacking the Raptors by like thirty points. You know, Pascal had gotten hurt, and he also tripped Embiid, and it was just looking real shaky. And of course, you know uh, what happened after that was Kawhi hits one game winner. Pull up over Embiid in game four on the road. Just an amazing performance. I'd never seen anything like that. And of course, uh, a couple of days later, game seven, Kawhi hits the shot in the corner. First off. Um, I think it was Rocky who got the the shot of Kawhi like, in the celebration in the huddle right afterwards. Is that correct? Yep. Yeah. Um, and for you, I mean for you personally, where were you watching the shot from? And so have- you know, just take me through the shot, man.
2: For me, I was so I'm just in our vom position. So that the main camera follow for uh, the main position for Rocky during the home games is that vom position. Um, where he's like behind, he's center court, but behind um, the, the the front row seats there, in one of those entrances into the platinum lounge. Right. Uh, so, but then at the end of the game, what happens is Rocky moves to the end of the bat, to the bottom of the basket. Our, our second camera guy comes to the vom position where where I'm at, and we have a third shooter for the playoffs um, in the 200 levels uh, for the wide shot. And for me personally, <laughs> like work almost just, I, I, the, the work almost stopped and, and me being a producer and director of the show stopped for a few seconds. Cause when that play developed and the shot went up and just, just the same reaction that everyone had when he, when that first bounce hit, you're like overtime. Oh no. Yeah. And then it felt like two minutes later the ball still bouncing and then just like everyone else that, that, that pause, I was in the vom, and the ball drops and I just went berserk. <laughs> I just, we were hugging like everyone around us. Um, yeah. I was screaming like a little girl. Uh, and then it took me a couple of minutes and then I realized, okay, we got, we got to set up here. We got to make sure everything's, everything's, um, everyone's pos- positioned right. And where should everyone go? And, um, like we try to prepare for moments like that and we try to prepare and, 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 and know what to do when a buzzer beater hits, because there's a lot of things that, that are happening and, and you don't want to just be capturing nothing and not knowing what you're, what you're focusing on. So, um, but in a moment like that, it's just so difficult. And when, in retrospective, when you look at, at some of our angles, um, it may not have been like the greatest looks, um, but I think that 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 added to the the emotion and the the excitement of the scene. Also, um, one thing that I try to avoid is using any broadcast angles and broadcast cameras because I want our all our footage to be you know, cinematic and um, and from our our cameras. Um, so I stayed away from using any broadcast angles um, and just stuck with our cameras, and it, it was it was it wasn't perfect, but um, uh, I I feel like we still did the shot some justice in capturing the emotion. And Rocky did an unbelievable job. He he ran onto the court um, and got right into the huddle. And he was telling me how he had the the camera overhead, and he's like saying in his head, "Oh man, I hope this is in focus.
1: I hope <laughs> focus
2: because this is awesome."
1: Yeah. Cause you could uh, see him in the pictures and stuff. Like you could actually spot him in the pile. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. So um, lucky enough, um, he was right in there. He got that uh, Kawhi scream, uh, that, that big kawaii woo. Um, and yeah, it was uh, it was it was such a crazy, crazy <laughs> moment. And that's like like when when you're having a magical season, magical things happen. And, you know, that was just part of the ride. And that's one of the, obviously, one of the greatest shots and one of the greatest moments in, in not only NBA history, but, you know, in sports history, you know. So it was unbelievable to be a part
1: of it. Yeah, for sure, man. That shot, I mean, the, the thing is, so now I can only experience a shot again, um, like by watching, obviously, obviously, Open Gym or like highlights or anything like that. And usually there you get like the broadcast. So like you hear like you know um is this the dagger and then yeah. there's like silence and they go oh right like you get to hear that but like in the arena it literally felt as you mentioned like it was 2 minutes between the bounces I don't I don't know I've never heard anything like it like the arena just all gasped at once obviously after the first bounce everyone was like <gasps> and it I swear it was like it was like a movie like time stood still and even from like up top in like the media gondola and stuff like yeah, you know, we're all pros, but yeah, uh, not sure. no. Not sure. People went nuts. <laughs> people yeah. went nuts.
2: <laughs> yeah, I can only imagine. Like, <sighs> if I was in press row and, and and that shot happened, I
1: yeah
2: had to let loose a little
1: bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's uh, obviously a great moment, and obviously there's a lot of great moments in the Bucs series as well. Um, you know it really sort of obviously lots of ups and downs in the buck series you know going down o two and when we were down o two oof.
2: it felt like I felt like I was in Cleveland again,
1: yeah um, it was weird right it felt it
2: felt it didn't feel good and it wasn't like you're going out going out of there like okay we got this we're we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna make a run back here but um yeah it didn't it, it was not it was not a good feeling after we left milwaukee um and the and the fans and uh, Everyone, yeah. They all felt good about themselves.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, the Cleveland example is apt because, like, you know, in game one, uh, it's not the same as having, like, four chances to tip it in in game one, you know, against the Cavs in 2018. But when you get 30 points out of Kyle Lowry yeah. on the road in a hostile environment against a team that was favored against the Raptors, don't, let's not forget that. They were definitely favored. Um, and they lost. And basically they lost because, what, Chris Middleton – trips Danny Green at half court and there's no foul call in the play and Chris Melton takes it in for the layup and that pretty much ends the game. Like when when you lose in that fashion, it really felt like they let one get away. And then game two, they were just kind of like steamrolled out of there. Mark was playing terribly and he he admitted after the game and stuff like that. Honestly, the only thing at all that gave me comfort after game two was when that reporter asked Kawhi in the locker room, "Um, where do you go from here, Kawhi? And he goes to Toronto for game three. And it just kind of, like, it was like, you know what? We still got Kawhi. We should still hold some faith. And then they, I mean, essentially they swept the Bucks from there. So, like, it's just, like, a crazy turn of emotions. And, like, that game three, double overtime, Kyle fouls out, Norm fouls out. Somehow they win that game. Game four, the team sort of rallies around Kawhi, who had basically exhausted himself. And then, like, that game five on the road – like, that game five in the fourth quarter, I don't – you remember Kawhi in that fourth quarter? I think he had, like, maybe 12 or some points, maybe 14. But it was nuts, man. They were, like, made that comeback. And the Bucks. If they if they were going to win that series, they needed to win game five. Yeah. Like, they needed it so badly. And Kawhi just, like, ripped their hearts out, man. And, you know, what a guy. <laughs> what a yeah. performance. Well, he's
2: the difference. Like I said, how it felt like Cleveland, but the difference now is – you know whoies on your roster. So when you're walking into a gym and, and um, you have the best player on the floor, you know, things things are things are different, right? So yeah, and 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 in the playoffs, you know, one one swing and one opportunity missed can just change the whole series and and you know the the, the over, double overtime game game 3 was it double overtime or overtime? That was double overtime, man. Yeah, double overtime game 3, you know, so it, it, they're on the verge of a sweep so you know they don't get it done and and all of a sudden this the, they reverse sweep the reverse sweep happens to them so it's 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 crazy in playoffs uh seven game series are you know it can it's a, such a slippery slope um and uh thankfully the Raptors were able to take advantage and and um yeah once you got into game six it, it was oh
1: yeah I was confident it, man yeah. We were yeah. taking that thing. There was no other way. And, and and it's funny in game six, like, they were down as well, but like that Kawhi that comeback for us off and then that Kawhi dunk over Giannis where Kyle steals it off Middleton in midcourt, takes it down the floor, does his classic Kyle Lowry, stops, turns around, hands it off to the trailer. And for Kawhi to like you know, I mean we at that point we know he's on one knee, but for him to like explode off the ground like that and posterize Giannis, it was like there were still five more minutes to go in that game. They still very much had to close out the game. But once that moment happened, you're like, it's it's for real. The Raptors are really going to the finals. And a couple of moments that stood out from that game was like, you know, all the, the – I thought the, the crowd – I mean, everyone talks about how expensive the playoff tickets were, and it's true. It is, it is, like, you know, ridiculous sort of some of the prices. But, like, the crowd was amazing. Like, the, them chanting and jeering and whistling when – Giannis was at the free throw line. I felt like that really did affect Giannis, and I really feel like that affected the outcome of some of these games. And then also uh, the crowd at the end when Kyle Lowry gets his turn to speak uh, in the uh, Eastern Conference Trophy celebration, um, and the crowd just breaks out into an organic Lowry chant. Like, it just felt like an amazing, and amazing moment and really yeah. well-deserved.
2: Yeah, the cool... The, the, the... The the crowd really started turning it up in the Philly series, and as as the success and as the run kept on going, you really it really went back to the that Brooklyn year and those yeah. those initial um, feelings everyone had about our crowd, where they were just fanatic and hostile, and and that atmosphere really everyone talked about it. But I, I felt like it the uh, it didn't really live up to that um, the last few years. Um, but as this, obviously, as the playoffs continued, the, our crowd was unbelievable. Um, and the one tidbit that I have from the end of that game is uh, you saw some footage of it uh, in the episode. But as we went into the locker room, uh, Kyle comes in with the trophy. And he's like, we're going. Everyone's like, we're, we're going where? We're going to Jurassic Park. So oh, yeah, that's right. We all went through. The entire team, Kawhi, everybody, went through uh, the back way and went all all of a sudden ended up on the concourse where the fans were still leaving, um, and we all made our way to tr- tried to make our way to Jurassic Park, and it was such a sight because the fans that were in the concourse as they're celebrating leaving leaving um, to go home or wherever they were going to go hit the streets. You you see the. The Raptors and the trophy and Kyle and the whole team coming through the concourse and and the, the buzz just – like as it as people started realizing what was happening, the buzz just – it was unbelievable. And we finally make our way to Jurassic Park and we get there and no one's there.
1: Yeah, that's the funniest thing, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh. so
2: we're like, oh, man, we went through all of that and no one's here. <laughs> So then we were there for a couple minutes and we made our way back in, um, and went back downstairs. And uh, it was it was just a, it was a it was a funny scene. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's some we, we captured it a little bit, but uh, it was tough to, to get it all in there and in, in the episode to give it a, a little bit more context. Um, but
1: uh, it was it was it was funny. It was funny. Yeah. And it was a great it's moment to rich. be able to actually. So what's that? Yeah.
2: We were ready in the finals. If it were to happen, they would, they would have probably had their, their route mapped a little bit better if they, they had won it at home. That's true. Um,
1: and that's the thing. Like, I, I kind of wish the Raptors had won it in Game 5. And there was obviously a very good chance to win it in Game 5 um, before, you know, they. I mean, I wouldn't say they screwed it up a little bit. But that, at that time, I was three minutes left in Game 5. Did kind of shift the momentum of the game a little bit. But, you know, whatever. Obviously, it's, everything's forgiven. Um, yeah. But that moment, I mean, game six in uh, Scotiabank, like, I just felt like it was a really great moment for the families and everyone to celebrate because, like, I remember, like, long after the game was over, like, I'm talking like an hour, maybe two hours after, there's still, like, you know, the kids of the players and, like, just family members, like, running around on the floor. And there's all that confetti. And there's, like, it just, like, etched into my mind, just, like, seeing Kyle's kids just, like, basically pick up the confetti and throw it over themselves and see it shower over them. It's just, like, It's a great moment for, for, you know, especially an organization that really um, emphasizes family and and things like that. Like, uh, for them to be able to celebrate in that context at home was great. And, you know, then you get to the finals. And I thought, again, the crowd was amazing. Like, that first – that game one where the crowd is singing "Oh Canada, like, you're just getting goosebumps, man. Like, I don't know about you, but, like, um, you know, if you – obviously – People people know if you go to the games. I don't know if on the broadcast of shows or not, but, like, sometimes, you know, our, our guy Doug, he doesn't even sing the actual anthem. He kind of just, like, starts it off and then lets the crowd sing. And I thought that was an amazing moment because, like, it was so loud and at such a point of, like, national pride of, like, this is Canada's team, this is Toronto's team, this is the only team outside of the United States. And the amount of pride that was sort of um, – exuded in that moment it just made me feel really really proud to be canadian and i thought you know it just brought a different energy to the game like it was like all right it's bigger than just raptors versus warriors like it's like really a whole country and um even talking about it now i I got goosebumps you know
2: yeah no it's it's always that scene is always amazing and it it does it does never get old I, i remember how and the way it started in that brooklyn series just how it just started organically. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, you know, it, uh, after a while, uh, throughout the years, the crowd, I think if they started this year where they, they had to prompt the crowd a little bit to, to sing along. Um, I, I do love as, when everyone
1: shouts north. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> For some reason. Yeah.
2: Um, but yeah, just, just once it got to the finals, you didn't need any prompting, you know, it, it, uh, there everyone's just ready to get get it going and, and 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 being able to you know pump out their chest a little bit more and, and pump out their canadian pride a little bit more um, it's uh it's like, every everything every aspect of the entire run is just you know when you think about it it's just it's just hard to hard to even even like realize all that everything went down and it For me, it really hasn't sunk in yet. I don't know. I don't know if it ever will.
1: Um, so, yeah, it was uh, quite quite a ride. Yeah. And, you know, just on the topic of anthems, what was really fun was hearing the anthem sung in Oakland. After, I believe the first time it happened was after Game 3. It was a bit of a smaller crowd, but, like, all the Raptors yep. fans in the arena. And there were a significant amount of Raptors fans in the arena You know, they they gathered and they sang, and that was the most organic sort of uh, formation of that. But then in game four, when they went up 3-1, like, there was a huge crowd. I remember, like, an hour after the game, everyone's, like, emptied out. Like, you know, it's just basically security staff, some media lingering around, and then a bunch of, you know, Raptors fans. And then, of course, after game six, that was just such a party um, on the floor and, and seeing everybody, man. The Raptors, man, I can't believe the Raptors won the championship. This is wild. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe we were all there for it too, man. Yeah, yeah. So and to lucky, beat
2: Golden State three times at Oracle, yeah, like it's just it's unheard of. You know that team is it's such a great team. That crowd is second to none. Um, but at the same time, through the finals, um, even speaking with some Warrior staff, they the, the, they felt like the crowd was not the same. And going into the finals and, and for the first, you know, for game three, game four, they didn't the crowd just wasn't wasn't what it used to be. Um, game four, they really picked it up a little bit, but game obviously game six being the last game and everything, they at the beginning into it, but the Raptors showed that they they, they were not gonna get pushed around and they were not gonna be intimidated. Um, that doubt just came in real quick. And um, we really – I think the Raptors really kept the crowd in check because uh, that crowd over the years has – it's some of the, some of the, some of the most um, deflating moments come from that crowd. I remember I was there for that when they were up. 27, uh, 26, right? 26, 26, yeah, 26, 27 points. Um, and it was in the third quarter. Yep. And the, the Warriors cut it to 20 like midway through the third quarter, mm-hmm. and the crowd stood up and never sat back down for the rest of the game. They were already feeling the warriors run, and they were they were pushing the team to to just perform and that's the that's the difference with uh that crowd is they really they really feed that energy into the into the team and when they felt when they felt a run coming and and though the style of play that the warriors play it's just it's just it works hand in hand. Once you start hitting a couple of threes, you know, that crowd goes bananas. But that, that crowd wasn't the same in that series. And that's a testament to, to what the Raptors and how mentally tough the Raptors were. Um, they were, they weren't going to get intimidated. I know like, you know, Pat, um, Draymond, like Draymond beginning the series, he's looking for people to intimidate. Oh yeah. And, you know, and, and and Kawhi just gave him a look like, you know, uh, uh, you're not, you're not going to intimidate any of us. And, 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 and the, the Raptors responded, uh,
1: responded every, with every punch that the Warriors gave. They, they responded. So testament to them. Yeah, for sure. And that's one of the, you know, underrated plot lines of this whole finals run was like, you know, in previous seasons. And this is not a knock against the players that played here in Toronto. But like there was just every year the same theme played out of the Raptors getting punked. And usually it was getting punked by the same guy, right? At first it was Paul Pierce and then later it was LeBron and a little bit of John Wall Bradley Bill sprinkled in between. But, like, just the theme was the Raptors would get punked. And it was just – it sucked as a fan to see that. It, it's, it, it was a terrible feeling. And, you know, throughout this finals run, like, you just see – obviously, you know, when you have a guy like Kawhi, you can feel a lot more confident. But, you know, even game six, like, Kyle Lowry comes out, scores like, what, 12 straight points? And you're just like, yo – Kyle's was just putting his foot down and saying, no, not today. We're not going to let this slip. So, once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. We're going to take it. Uh, and to see him come out with that attitude, to see Fred come out and close that game in the fourth quarter, because Kawhi wasn't playing that well in game six. I thought Kawhi was breaking down. I mean, people don't remember this, man. Andre Godala kind of outplayed Kawhi in game six. And the guy who brought it home for the Raptors down the stretch in the fourth quarter when it's the most pressure was Fred VanVleet, who I think played the entire second half. Of Game Six on the road, and he played amazing, hit a bunch of shots, um, and you even look at well, Pascal. His first game in the finals, he goes what thirty points for like thirteen of seventeen shooting. Like who does that? You know what I mean? This is a this is just a different mentality with this group. Obviously, Mark yeah. showing toughness, surge as well. Like Danny, like this is just a different group. I was so proud to uh, watch them represent my Raptors this year.
2: Yeah, Kyle, Pascal, Kawhi—they all had their moments. Danny had their moments, but I I really felt like. Fred and Serge. Yep. When the Raptors needed something at certain points in, in, in whatever games they were, when there were those tipping point moments, I feel like Fred and Serge were the ones that helped stabilize everything and they came up big
1: in certain moments that helped
2: stem the tide and, and, and
1: were big turning points in a lot of the outcomes. Yeah. That's surge three over Ben Simmons in game seven, man. <laughs> I still can't believe it. I've never seen Serge take any shots like that it hit him, let alone in that context and that tight of a game. Um, okay, so the locker room after winning the championship. Um, what's going through your head as sort of you balance between I got to get this footage because everyone is waiting on this footage. And also like as a diehard day one Raptors fan, like to be in the locker room getting showered with champagne. What's going through your head as you, as you do all that?
2: So as the buzzer hits,
1: um, I'm getting I've got our, our little mini camera. Uh,
2: I'm trying to capture some some crowd stuff, and and um, I was definitely not getting onto the floor because security was obviously tight. <laughs>
1: yeah, they didn't even um, let Masai on the floor. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, but uh, I was capturing some of the moments uh, um, on stage and, and all that through the crowd and through the crowd perspective. Then I was like, okay, I got it. I got I got to go. I got to beat the I got to beat the rush and beat the crowd and um I went over to the locker room and I waited for them there. Um and yeah, and uh as you you you're just you try to focus on capturing and you try to focus on capturing uh um these moments, but it's just so hard to not let the emotion kind of just surface. And yeah, the, the as as everything was happening and the champagne started flowing and all that, I was getting some shots. But at the same time, and, and what helped too is I got a little, uh, was a, a little Osmo, so it's a little mini camera,
1: okay. Okay. Uh,
2: almost like a GoPro. Uh, um, that camera allowed me to be able to still be in the moment, kind of celebrate, um, and because you don't have to really focus too much on like the 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 exposure and the focus and all that kind of stuff uh, you can just point and shoot and um yeah i was able to to have some some uh s- some 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 awesome moments in there and and that champagne is no joke it burns yep it yep. burns hard on your eyes so the goggles aren't are uh, a necessity if uh if uh, you've got that much champagne uh going and spraying around the room i almost when i opened one bottle i almost <laughs> decapitated someone because it just pops so quickly <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. I, I loved um walking in there and like just like i had so i walked in there like basically i think that was around the time sort was doing his little ig live with with uh drake and you know like i think a, a bulk of like the crazy stuff has already happened because like the players wanted to celebrate and then they went out and did media and they came back in and you know, what I mean, like, um, but just walking in there and just seeing, like, a mess, like, the chaos of, like, uh, the <laughs> just, you know, I don't know why these things stick out to me. But, like, like all the plastic that was taped in the yeah. locker room and, like, you can actually see, like, a river of champagne and beer just, yeah. like, flowing throughout. Like, it's just absolute madness. People are, like, celebrating in the bathroom. Like, it, there's so many bottles on the ground. There's so many more bottles unopened. And just seeing everyone's unique way of celebrating, one of that was, you know, guys who are a little bit more muted about it. Like, I remember seeing uh, one of the cooler moments was seeing Wayne Embry sitting off almost towards, like, the back of the locker room just sort of by himself, and people will occasionally come over. And, you know, he's, like, 70-plus, maybe even 80-plus. Like, it's a little hard for him to turn up. But, like, seeing this quiet satisfaction on his face, um... You know, obviously seeing Norm and whoever else, you know, get wild, Serge, Danny, uh, Mark, you know, just an amazing moment. Like it was like a dreamlike sequence. I had never seen anything like that. And um, yeah, I was just, you know, we're just so happy. We're so blessed, man. We're so blessed to not only have the Raptors won the championship, but to actually have been there um, for those exact scenes. And then walking back out to the, the court, and like seeing all the Raptors fans that stuck around, and like they were chanting, they were just going nuts. Uh, like they were chanting CBC because they saw one of the CBC reporters. Like yeah, they were just doing anything and everything to celebrate, and it was such a such an incredible moment, man.
2: Yeah, I was. Um, uh, I was so proud of how I smelt. Yes. That night. Just that champagne smell was, and it was all oh, like I was completely drenched and. I just as I was as I was walking throughout the night, um, going onto the bus and, and all that stuff. But just just I was smelling myself, <laughs> smelling a championship. Uh, it was yeah, it, it was an unforgettable night. Did you get a bottle of go? Uh, I don't think so. We had some stuff on on the bus with the with our with our crew or the, so the di- digital guys and broadcast guys. I think we had some some beers there, and then we b- went back to the hotel and we had another big dinner with the entire staff and team and yeah it was it was a great night yeah
1: i honestly my suit got uh destroyed my suit jacket got destroyed yeah and i had to like fly out of oakland the next morning so there was like no time to like wash it or anything and then i like, unpacked it and like all my stuff from oakland smelled like champagne and that suit i was like right, i gotta take this with dry cleaners but then i was like I'm not, actually. I'm just going to keep it like this. I'm never going to wear it again. It's going to always kind of be a little bit smelly. But, like, it's like a it's like a weird souvenir, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's just... Yeah, well, it's I hear you. going to forget that stuff, man. And then, um, you know, they go to Vegas and stuff like that, and then they come home to Toronto for what I have to describe as the most legendary parade of all time. And I think that coincided with the most legendary episode of Open Gym all time because... Not only was it an hour long, which was kind of a throwback to the days when, like, it was, like, a a full-length movie basically every single time. But, like, an hour-long episode and just so much footage. Like, from an editing perspective, how did you figure out what to cut? Because I'm assuming you got, like, multiple cameras. The parade was five hours. Um, You probably have so much footage to sift through. Like, how did you even decide what's actually going in to that one hour? Because there must have been so much good stuff that, you know, didn't even make it to the final cut
2: it was it was very difficult and i i honestly felt a lot of pressure uh to be able to do this right because obviously one you have to do the moment justice uh, we've been we've been like hoping for this moment especially on the show for 7 years so you want to do it right you want to you want to tell the story properly two we have so much footage to go through you don't want to miss anything but at the same time it's so time consuming when you have this it's like a massive puzzle right mm-hmm. the many pieces in front of you you're just like you almost don't know where the where to begin um and i know i remember uh when i'm trying to frame the episode in my head um the night before the parade, our, our crew, the our Open Gym crew with the editor and uh, some of our associate producers and the shooters, we were all having a drink um, for uh, the parade the next day. And our editor was like, what if? Because we already had started cutting the the episode with all the recaps of the games and everything was kind of laid down up until that point. Um, he was like, what if we, you know go into the parade first and maybe throughout the, the episode and it just right away. I loved the idea of being able to start the story where it ended and being able to flash forward almost to, um, to those moments in the parade throughout the episode. Not only does it, you know, you're not telling the story in a linear way, but you're able to break up the recap, recap, recap. And also you're not getting to a point where, now you've got 20 minutes of parade at the end of the episode, you know. So the way we structured the the episode, the way the way we structured the the piece, uh, I was really happy with um, the initial cut when we first laid it down. I was, and I, I get this, I get this all the time when I see the that first cut. I'm I'm just like almost sick to my stomach. I'm just like, no, this is not this is, this doesn't feel right. Um, but as we massage it a little bit, add some touches here and there, um, uh, it ends up being um, we're, we end up getting to a point where we're, I'm pretty happy with it. And when we finally finished the episode and I watched that final cut um, as a whole for the first time, I was like, OK, I think we're OK. And I think we got something here. And um, the fact that I can watch it over, I, I watched it a couple times. It was a, it's always a good sign for me. Um, so yeah, I think uh, we did feel a lot of pressure to do it right. And I think, and from, by all accounts and everyone, a lot of people have, um, come up to me and, and showed respect to, to us for, for what we did in the episode. Um, yeah, I'm pretty happy with, with what we did and, and it obviously what will go down is probably the top episode of the, of the series. So
1: we did okay. I think. <laughs> Yo, you guys, you guys did more than okay, man. That was, I, you know, you guys did it justice, and I, I really appreciate, uh, you know, like honestly the pressure of it, because I, I, in a weird, like, a, in a, to a smaller scale, like I felt the same way. Like I'm like, oh, the Raptors won the championship. Like, how am I going to write about it or even talk about it in a way that's going to give it justice? And like to. F- it's a sort of like well, first, like just to be that emotional and then try to express that emotion and capture it in a way that felt honest and, you know, accurate and, and inclusive of everything that you saw and everything that went down. Like it obviously, it is something that should be pretty easy because, you know, uh, as any sort of creator, like if you feel something, that's always like the first step is like, if you do feel something, then it's a lot easier to, to write it down or produce it or say it out loud. But, um, but also, like, the amount of pressure, like, you're just like, I got to get this right. Like, this is, has to be a home run. And I think for you guys, like, it was absolutely a home run, man. I I, I just remember, like, s- the anticipation because there was, like, multiple days where everyone is just waiting for the open gym to come out. And when it finally does come out, it was just so satisfying, man. I mean, like, I was, like, basically tearing up just just watching some of those scenes and just seeing how happy everybody was, you know. Um even the small stuff like I just it's always weird like the the small stuff in the parade almost took out to me more like you know when they were like turning past I think Bathurst, and there was that construction crew that yeah. was like working and they they stopped working and like everyone just stood still and started banging like the wrenches or whatever and hammers and stuff on like the metal uh scaffolding and like the the noise that that made uh it was just it was so weird to see the city freeze and sort of take a moment to celebrate and i i it's just it's one of the happiest days um uh, I've ever had as a Raptors fan and it kind of I don't think it'll be top to be honest because you know you only get your first time one time and uh yeah you guys did an amazing job with it um for you guys though it's been real busy uh, so you were with Masai, uh you know covering Giants of Africa and Basketball Without Borders so you really haven't had any time off and we got media day in what a week so um what's your life been like
2: well uh, once the once the the finals ended uh the draft was that 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 thursday wasn't it yep and and summer league was a couple weeks after that and after that was uh africa so yeah no it's been uh, it's been a long it's been a long Long haul, but uh, obviously we're not, I'm not going to complain whatsoever. Um, that's why a lot of respect goes to uh, the Warriors and the Cavs uh, going to the finals every year. You know, like Warriors going five straight, is it five straight finals? Like they've literally played like a year's worth more of basketball than all these non-playoff teams, you know. Um, so it has been a long summer, uh, short summer in um, a long season. Uh I was able to get a, a little break um after Africa. But Africa every year you, as you know is is one of the highlights. Um and being able to go down to Senegal for basketball without borders with Masai and, and Pat Matomo and Pat, Pat Engelbrecht um with the trophy. Uh it's hard to, to the whole the whole the whole story is hard to describe but obviously with Masai being able to bring that trophy back to Africa um, was just amazing to be a part of and then after Basketball Without Borders which was about four or five days we started the GOA tour and we started in and, and this year we did all, six new countries uh, so we started in Morocco uh, did Mali and Cameroon and a couple interesting things um, in Mali. Uh, we were in Bamako, and you know when you when you travel throughout Africa and throughout these countries, you just you never realize how how big it is. And you know, these long travel days, getting from country to country, you know, three, four, or five hours, um, and you're you're traveling for most of a day because uh, Africa is so big. But we end up in Mali, and we end up in Bamako. And in our hotel, and ten minutes away from our hotel, is where Sagaba Canante's family is from, Whoa, and wow. home. Uh, so we're, we were able to visit his um, his home. That's uh, Sagaba, the undrafted right. Uh, right. player that we signed, um, wasn't able to play in summer league, but uh, he's 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 with us right now, and he's getting ready for for camp. The next oh, Serge Ibaka hopefully he's a, he's a monster. He's a beast. He's he a got beast. that shot blocking
1: gene for sure. So,
2: yeah. Oh yeah. So. Um, so we, we were able to visit his family and see where he learned the game of basketball. And, 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 um, that was, was unbelievable. And obviously in Cameroon meeting up with Pascal, Pascal GOA was the last, um, stop for his, his tour. So <laughs> he had had a long week but being able to see Pascal in Cameroon with the trophy, also, it's it's just you can't beat it.
1: Yeah, and for him, like being reunited with family, because it's not easy uh, to travel like that. I mean, it's not even just you know the means of traveling, but like even just securing visas and stuff like that. So um, yeah, that's the
2: first time he was back since yeah. um, left, and he had even when his father passed, he hadn't he wasn't able to go back. So um, right. for him, it was a, such a memorable memorable trip as well.
1: Yeah, so, bro, you have a blessed life, man. I, I got to say, like, you, you've, you um, you know, obviously the Raptors have done a lot of great things, but uh, you and your crew have been everywhere. And, again, we, as Raptors fans, like, we just have to collectively thank you and your staff for what you guys do because um, it just wouldn't be the same, honestly. Like, watching the Raptors wouldn't be the same without the open gym experience. And uh, as Raptors fans, like, we were, we're really lucky to have basically – this level of access and this level of storytelling, um, uh, you know, sort of embedded within the team. So Jeff, I'm going to let you go. I'm going to let you get some rest, but uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll see you next week at a media day. And uh, yeah, we got to do this all over again.
2: Here we go. It's, it's going to be, um, it's going to be a challenging season for us because uh, we're coming off like the greatest moment in the Raptors history. So um, it's we're we're going to push ourselves to try to be able to, to, to back it up and and um come with some fresh and new new things for 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 the fans and uh hopefully we can we can get it done. So it's it's going to be exciting. Uh, this year's going to be nice. We got a lot of new new faces, a lot of young guys and it's always nice to be able to tell some some new stories. So um can't wait.
1: Yeah, I can't wait either, man. So uh thank you Jeff for coming on the show. Um, obviously, you know, people can watch Open Gym. You know where people watch Open Gym, but also Jeff, where can people follow you and uh, your work?
2: Uh, I'm just on on IG, uh, the basketball producer. Um, post some some content here and there, and and uh, on Twitter, Open Gym Raptors. Um, I'll uh, just promote the show a little bit on, on there. I'm not a, a big social. I don't have a big social uh, presence, but uh, yeah, you can see some of that stuff there. And and um, you know, I'm around the way and try to be in the shadows and. Uh, you know, just tell some some basketball stories and, and just you know, continue to to um do the things that we do. Yeah, there you go. All
1: right, listeners. Uh, as for the podcast, we'll be back next week. Um, so thanks for listening.